Our scripture reading today is from Matthew 2, verses 1 to 11. So that's Matthew 2, verses 1 to 11. Let's read it together. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw the star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Well, after listening to the king, They went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen, which it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed their own country by another way. I appreciate being with you this morning and being invited to bring what I would call a post-Christmas meditation. I've always had the sense that this Sunday and these few days after Christmas are really a little bit strange sometimes a little awkward because we're in kind of a a no man's land between Christmas and New Year. And we're not always sure as pastors and church leaders what we should do with this week. Apart from eating leftovers, completing the jigsaw puzzle that we do every year, trying to help children finish that huge Lego project that they got a few days before. When I was a little boy growing up in Glasgow in Scotland, um, Lego had not been invented at Christmas time, but we got Meccano. How many of you remember Meccano? Yes. That was it. Many people this Christmas have not been able to do the traveling they normally would do. In fact, they shouldn't be doing any traveling at all, according to the provincial health officer. We've not been visiting with other people. We've not been seeing family and grandchildren, which has been hard for some of us. Our traditional family Christmas plans have been dismantled from large and noisy gathering to just a household around the table. Pastors and church leaders have have faced huge changes and challenges this year. 
But we've still spent the season of Advent getting everybody safely to Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph, the Magi, shepherds. And now all that's fading very quickly away. Christmas music is finished. You can put the Christmas CDs away till next year. The angels have left us and all returned to heaven. And even in our COVID world of this year, Christmas is over for another year. We're getting ready to start a, a new year and hopefully put 2020 behind us. But let's not be too fast. Let me ask you a question this morning. Has anything happened getting up to this Christmas that may change your life? Maybe it's just started to change your life a little. Something different. Perhaps something you did not expect. Let me tell you a family story from um, our family. When our eldest granddaughter, now 23, was just a little girl, maybe about three, she would drop her favorite book into my lap and climb up on my lap for a story with the command, read, Grandpa. I usually enjoyed doing that. But to be honest, sometime that demand was made just a few minutes before Jeopardy was ready to start. I love Jeopardy. I love the cut and the thrust of the questions and answers and see how I would do. So I would do what any mature, reasonably intelligent, experienced grandpa would do. I skip bits. You skip a sentence here, you skip a sentence there. After all, she really couldn't read as yet, so she'd never know. And then a serious little face would look up at me very sternly and say, Grandpa, you're not reading all the words. Woven into this greatest story ever told to the world, God becoming flesh, there are small but important hints given to us about what happened after the birth of Jesus. And they teach us just how important this post-Christian time is. It's not a no man's land at all. And can I say to you this morning again, you have to read all the words. You see, getting the people in this nativity drama to Bethlehem is important. But how they leave Bethlehem is actually more important. Let me remind you of the story. And you will see it with me this morning again, perhaps how it might impact us. We'll begin with the wise men. We know them in the Christian narrative as the, the Magi. Tradition says they may have started in Kasham, which is in Iran, perhaps taking 18 months or so. Each morning they climbed on their camels to begin another day, the rising sun at their back. And people stared at this strange trinity of travelers that they passed through their villages. Can you imagine? Mothers hurriedly pushing children back into the safety of their own homes and the irrational fear that even as they passed through their town, looked into their eyes, that would leave some residue of some deadly incurable magic in them. 
So children are told, close your eyes. Don't look into their faces. Who knows what evil can come from merely a glance from them? Over time, tradition gave them names that sound like it came from the pages of some Tolkien manuscript. They were called Gaspar, Melchior, Balthasar. They were driven with a quest. It says in Matthew, we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. The scriptures that were read this morning go on to teach us. They went on their way, and the star that they seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures, presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, if that was this whole story, everything would really be fine. We could stand and we could sing the hallelujah chorus, but that's not the end. Because woven into this story of joy is another story. It's a dark thread in the brilliant tapestry of the Christmas narrative. Here's what it says. Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and says, Go, make a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now you remember, that's what the Magi said they were coming to do, to worship him. That's what Herod said he wanted to do, to join them in worship. But Herod was a powerful man whose heart, heart was dark with power, riddled with fear and paranoia. He did not want to find Christ to worship him. He wanted to find Christ to kill him. After the birth of Jesus, he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and this vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he learned from the Magi. That is called the slaughter of the innocents. It is a dark, bloody thread in the Christmas story. The character of Herod reminds us that power is insidious when it is not grounded in goodness and ultimately in God. You see, Herod had killed his favorite wife. Maybe she burned the toast. Who knows? She was one of ten wives. He had killed three of his sons. He'd also killed his uncle. This was the man who was not averse to killing, to gain and keep the power that he wanted. But this trinity of travelers came to worship the king. They came to bow down to him as the truth that they were seeking. So Matthew says in the story, it's an important line, we seldom think about it. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, the Magi returned to their country by another way. That's the line you need to remember this morning. They went home another way. Keep that in your mind. We will come back to it. Let's move on to the shepherds. 
we might think of these shepherds as nice old gentlemen dressed in tweed, smelling of old spice, sitting around the fire watching nice fluffy sheep, sharing stories about the meaning of life and perhaps singing Kumbaya. We need to get real. Their job meant long, cold nights. Sheep were smelly and dirty. These hard workers had no time for temple religion, no time for priests. They were the blue-collar workers in the Christmas story. They were the religious outsiders. And as the cold nights stretched on, alcohol flowed, and the stories probably became more and more crude. It should be an absolute surprise to see people like this welcome Christ into the world in the Christmas story. And when it's all over, the Gospels simply say they return to their sheep, but glorifying and praising God. Keep that in your mind. We'll come back to that line too. And then there's Mary. This has been nothing short of a life-changing event for her these last nine months and so just, Not just the, the birth of a baby, but the birth of this baby, the Christ child. Nine months of waiting, thinking, wondering. Will he grow up like the other boys? Where is all this journey going to end? So it says about Mary... Mary pondered all of these things in her heart. There's a word that you need to know this Christmas time. If you don't know it, here it is. It's a word out of the, the Greek New Testament. It's the word epiphany. The word means an appearance, a revelation. But there's a revelation in our lives that brings intervention, that changes the course that we were on. Things take a different direction because there has been an epiphany. An epiphany, you see, is an appearance that changes things. The word occurs in a number of places in the New Testament. For example, in Titus 2, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. It means it has become an epiphany to all people. And verse 13, a couple of verses later, when we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing, this epiphany again of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Epiphany is telling us that we live between two advents. One is the advent of Christ's birth. The other is the advent of his coming again. So we are people who live between two advents, between two epiphanies. Titus again tells us, at one time we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We were living in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, when the philanthropy of God, our Savior, appeared, an epiphany again, our first John, dear friends, now we are the children of God, but, but what we will be has not been yet made known. It, it hasn't appeared. But we know that when he, that is Christ, appears, when he breaks through into the world in this epiphany, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. In one way or another, our lives have moments of epiphany. 
That means we all experience moments where spiritual truth breaks through into our lives. It might be at Christmas, in a Christmas Eve service. It might be at Easter, or a camp setting, or an ordinary church service, or seeing a sunset, or any other place or time in our lives when the story of God's love becomes real, just in that moment, and it breaks through into our lives. That is an epiphany. Sometimes truth comes upon us like the morning dawn. We slowly come into the light. Sometimes it is as sudden as a shaft of lightning. But however, that is our moment of epiphany. An epiphany makes us change course, and it brings change. How these characters return home from Bethlehem speak to us about how we must respond to our own epiphany. How will you leave Bethlehem this year and put Christmas behind you? Will it change you? Remember that little detail of the Magi in the story. We usually don't think much about it. It's, it's kind of a throwaway line. And having warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, the Magi returned to their country by another route. So, their quest is over. The question has been answered. They have left their gifts. And Gaspar, Melchior, Balthazar, or whatever their names really were, climbed onto their camels and headed back towards the sunrise. Not far out of Bethlehem, they come to a fork in the road. On their way towards Bethlehem, perhaps they'd come down the road on the right. And can you imagine this time they paused? They didn't say anything to one another. They had been warned that Herod was not to be trusted. They looked at each other, each of them thinking the same thing. And they silently turned their camels towards the road on the left. And they started for home, taking another way. That says to us that when we come to our moment of epiphany at any time in the year, perhaps we encounter Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. When we bring ourselves to worship him, worship, by the way, means to bow down and lay the gifts of our lives before him at his feet. We cannot return and go back unchanged, untouched, unmoved. We cannot simply retrace our steps and go back the way we were. We have to return another way. Perhaps we come to a moment when we grasp some truth that we've come to in the scriptures, how it enters our lives, how it changes us in some ways, and we go back another way. That's what Titus means when he says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Remember, we live between two advents while we wait for the coming of his blessed hope, 
the glorious appearing, that glorious epiphany, it says, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So ask yourself, have you had any kind of epiphany this Christmas? And will it lead you to take another direction in your lives? How will you get home from Bethlehem? The shepherds returned. That means they went back to the same sheep, back to the same long, cold nights, still being ostracized from organized religion. No time for that stuff. In other words, nothing in their life has changed. Everything's still the same. It's telling us that while their external world, their circumstances have not changed, but there has been a radical change in them. They have changed. Their inner world has turned 180 degrees. And this deep internal change, change has taken place in their lives. They return glorifying God. Sometimes that's what an epiphany of truth does to us. Work is still the same. Household chores are still the same. The laundry is still the same. But some epiphany has come that changes us. How we see things. How we see people. Perhaps most important, how we see ourselves. And we return to glorify God. That's what truth does. It changes who we are on the inside. And we go back to the same stuff, but with a different perspective, a different way of looking at the world. Mary, remember her line? She pondered all these things in her heart. So Mary went home from Bethlehem with a lot to think about. So much to mull over again and again in her mind and heart. Her life would never be the same again. Not only because she was a mother, but now because she was the mother of this child. What will he do? Will he be like other boys? Will he, will he play with the other boys? Will they play with him? How will he different? Where is this journey all going to end up? What has this Christmas given you to ponder, to think about, and to think about deeply? Has something happened for you in this Christmas 2020? Perhaps this COVID Christmas has made you realize that we talk about going back to normal. Do you really want to go back to all this normal? Do you want to go back to being so busy? Perhaps this Christmas has said, you know, you can slow down. Take time to enjoy your home and your family and yourself. That's taking another route home. Do we really turn to need to return to this frenetic normal life that many of us live in? If we do, it's just been another Christmas. Time to put the decorations away till next year. Time to pack up the ornaments. Hope we didn't break too many. It's a time to take down the tree. The real ones go to recycling. The fake ones go back in the box. 
But if you had your first dawn of an epiphany this Christmas season, some new fresh idea about God has entered your mind, even the germ of an idea, if you take to pondering it, turning it over and over again, this epiphany may give birth to something that will radically change your life. So the question I asked at the beginning, has anything happened this Christmas season that may change your life? Something different. Something you didn't expect. You got to Bethlehem through the Advent readings. How will you go home? Will you take another way? Has something changed for you in the inside? Have you got something deeply, deeply to ponder about in your life? Pray with me. So our Father God, we thank you for this story, the greatest story of all, when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we are like some of the characters in this story. We desire to worship you. And our lives need to take a new and different path. Sometimes we go back to the same stuff. But we can go back worshiping God. Sometimes we have a lot to ponder about deeply in our heart and mind. So, Father, this is not a no-man's land at all. But we live and walk between these two advents, these two epiphanies. May truth appear in some way, some unexpected way, to us this season, even as we take down the tree and put all the ornaments away and eat leftovers. Amen.